There's one more day in October after this one, and it's a doozy. Today is the eve of All Hallows' Eve, which makes me still wonder what actually happens on All Hallows' Day. What it were, there were a way to get information simply by asking questions of the computer. But something like that may never be invented. In any case, this is not within the usual scope of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that regards every day as slightly scary and seeks to shine light to scare away the phantoms. On today's show, should Amtrak's Northeast Regional Train make a stop in Bedford? The Charlottesville Albemarle Tourism Bureau gets an update on hotel happenings, residents of the Barracks Rugby neighborhood will go without water on Monday, and Monday begins a nearly two-week total shutdown of Emmett Street at Ivy Road, and vaccinations are coming for children between 5 and 11. Let's begin today with a Patreon-fueled shout-out. Charlottesville 350 is the local chapter of a national organization that seeks to reduce dependence on fossil fuels. Charlottesville 350 uses online campaigns, grassroots organizing, and mass public actions to oppose new coal, oil, and gas projects and build 100% clean energy solutions that work for all. To learn more about their most active campaigns, including a petition drive to the Richmond Federal Reserve Bank, visit their Facebook page at facebook.com slash 350 If you live in the Barracks Rugby neighborhood in Charlottesville, be ready for a planned water outage on Monday. A contractor will be working on water infrastructure between Barracks Road and Preston Avenue. City crews have placed door hangers on properties that will be affected. The shutdown will be between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. You can learn more from a link in the newsletter. Monday also marks the beginning of a two-week shutdown of Emmett Street at Ivy Road for the installation of a massive piece of stormwater infrastructure required for the Emmett Ivy Precinct at the University of Virginia. Sunday is the second Halloween of the pandemic, but local health officials aren't concerned that a return to trick-or-treating will see return of another surge. Dr. Kosti Safri is the Director of Hospital Epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System. Uh, it's really important to recognize and understand that outdoors are um, is always safer than than indoors. And so those outdoor activities like trick or treating um, or outdoor outdoor parties um, are 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 really um, fantastic. Dr. Sifri said people probably don't have to disinfect any received treats, but recommended frequent hand washing. He also recommended having children avoid large indoor gatherings, and everyone should wear a mask indoors. Yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration approved the Pfizer vaccine for children between the ages of 5 and 11. More details on that rollout will be rolled out next week. Logistics are um, being um, worked out, but there's going to be an emphasis of trying to make sure that the vaccines that are offered are going to be uh, um, you know, in places that are, are child-friendly. On Friday, the Virginia Department of Health reported a seven-day average of 1,431 new cases and a seven-day percent positivity rate of 5.8%. On October 1st, that last figure was 8.8%. So far, Virginia recorded 1,101 COVID deaths in October. The next new metrics won't be available until Monday morning. Tourism is one of the region's largest industries, and the pandemic has shown just how important the sector is to the municipal bottom line. Russ Kromberg has been general manager of the Boar's Head Resort, 
for the past five years. Kromberg gave a presentation on October 25th to the board of directors of the Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau. The CACVB markets the region as a tourism destination and is funded by a portion of the transient lodging tax. We have 3,891 uh, hotel rooms, roughly, give or take a room or two in our, in our market currently. Um, our average annual occupancy for the past five years is right around 65%. Kromberg said most hotels need between 50% and 60% occupancy in order to break even. So an average of 65% is a sign of health. He said in a given year, over 1.8 million people stay in hotel rooms in the area. And that is not uh, timeshares, that's not bed and breakfasts, uh, that's not our Airbnbs, that's strictly just our, our hotel community. In the year before the pandemic, Kromberg said hotels brought in nearly $14 million in revenue for Albemarle and around $9 million in Charlottesville. The sector is slowly rebounding after a time when most travel stopped for a while and the hotel industry lost millions. Thankfully for many of the, the grant programs and other government funding um, that has helped, you know, city funding, um, you know, we've only uh, lost two hotels to permanent closure, um, but actually we have a couple of more that are getting ready to, to reopen. The labor shortage is affecting all sectors, especially hospitality. Kromberg said the Boar's Head had over 90 job openings in September, forcing the resort to limit the number of guests. He acknowledged that low wages are part of the problem. One thing that I'm really proud of, which is that has come out of this, is that it really has opened the eyes of ownership and many operators um, to really speed up the increases in our industry. And I think it's actually a really good thing um, to kind of get back to more equitable uh, wage, you know, wages. Kromberg said that when he began at the Boar's Head in 2016, housekeepers were getting $8.50 an hour. That's now been increased to $17 an hour. But to keep that going, the economy still has to make it through the pandemic. The current COVID environment has continued to provide difficult uh, for us to, to navigate. Um, but we have, uh, in the hotel industry, have continued to remain flexible. Um, with the priority of safety and security of our team and, and our guests. Kromberg said Charlottesville will have to compete with other destinations around Virginia. In order to do that, I really think, um, and, I, and speaking with other operators and other GMs and other uh, hotel owners, you know, we've really got to take a deeper look at the CACVB funding model. Later in the meeting, the CACVB discussed the possibility of changing the representation on the board of directors to include more representatives from the industry. Such a move would have to be approved by Charlottesville City Council and the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. For more on that part of the story, read Allison Rabel's October 25, 2021 article in the Daily Progress. There's a link in the newsletter. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for a second Patreon-fueled shout-out. The Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. The leaves have started to fall as autumn has set in, and this is a good time to begin planning for the spring. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. 
Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them Lonnie Murray sent you. In the last segment, we heard Charlottesville saying that they need to compete with other destinations. At the same time, another community along the Amtrak line between Roanoke and Washington wants in on the action. A group in Bedford has been lobbying for a stop on the service, and this past week, officials with the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation reviewed a study on whether that's feasible and what it would cost. Emily Stock is the manager of rail planning at DRPT. Our focus is the movement of people and goods throughout the Commonwealth, and our primary areas of activity are rail, public transportation, and commuter services. The DRPT began funding regional service in the late 2000s, and the Northeast Regional Service between Lynchburg and Washington's Union Station began in the fall of 2009. In 2014, DRPT reached agreement with Norfolk Southern to extend passenger service to Roanoke. At that time, the Bedford-Franklin Regional Rail Initiative launched. The town of Bedford hired a consultant to produce a report in 2016, and the DRPT that same year studied whether there would be enough ridership to support a stop. That information has now been updated. On October 25th, Stock presented the latest report. Fast forward to now, we've had a few years now under our belt of, of Roanoke service, which has been very helpful to us um, in projecting potential ridership for, for Bedford also. But before ridership is considered, the station has to be located on a section of track within certain parameters. Norfolk Southern, the, the host freight railroad, does not allow adjacent um, high-level platforms to their mainline tracks. A stop in Bedford would likely be a caretaker station and located downtown. Two sites have seen the most study, including the site of a former train depot near the courthouse. Stock said what would be needed for a caretaker station. Platform with a canopy, um, a station building, we even need enough room for that. Um, also room for, um, for parking, uh, for rental cars, for um, auto and taxi pickup and drop off. The courthouse site was dropped from consideration because an at-grade vehicular crossing would have had to have been closed to make it safe. The alternative is located about a mile west outside of downtown Bedford. Our cost to construct here would be almost $11 million in 2025 construction dollars, and that includes a 40% contingency, which is standard for this level of design. One consideration while looking at potential ridership is how close Roanoke and Lynchburg are to Bedford. One forecast found the stop would have just over 25,000 ons and offs per year, but some of that would take away from nearby stations. The net new riders to the system would be 10500 per year, generated by the Bedford station. The good news for proponents of a Bedford station is that the freight hauler that owns the lines does not have technical objections. What we found for Norfolk Southern was that they didn't see any um, material new delay um, for Norfolk Southern operations as a result of a stop in Bedford, which is very good news. The report is due to the General Assembly by November 15th. Next steps will include federal review under the National Environmental Policy Act and working with the Virginia Passenger Rail Authority on a grant application for the federal funding. Other good news is that we do expect to start Amtrak Thruway bus as a first step. You may recall that for for um, uh, for Roanoke, there was a Thruway bus that was operating 
before any rail service went to Roanoke. That three-way service is expected to begin next spring, though a location for the stop has not yet been determined. The Northeast Regional Service will eventually be extended to Christiansburg, where work is underway to design a passenger rail station to serve the new river valley. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Chug, chug, chugging along, choo-choo, chewing along every single time I can in order to bring you information about this community and how it will change and how it might not change. All I know is that I hope to continue doing this work as long as I can and as long as it can continue to be supported. Uh, it is October 30th, and uh, this was be this is this would be a great day to sign in on Patreon and contribute. Patreon also helps support uh, all of the other work that I do. There is this newsletter. There's also an archive site that I'm putting together, and all sorts of other experimental things that I hope to do to continue to bring you information about this area. Uh, and and of course, for me, that area does include uh, bits to the east, north, and south and west little place called Virginia. You might have heard of it. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. Really do hoping that you can also send this along. If there was a segment on here that you think someone should listen to, please send it on to them. If people have if people have questions, let me know. You can just reply to the link in the newsletter. Or, you know, you can find me somehow. Not that hard to find. My name is Sean Tubbs, and I am the host of Charlottesville Community Engagement. The Week Ahead newsletter will be next and then followed by another one of these on Monday. Thanks again for listening. Thank you to the people who are supporting this program. Have a great rest of the weekend, and, uh, you know, stay safe and stay scared. I I don't know. Halloween's a weird one, isn't it? See you again. And I will pick that, and I will pick that, and I will pick that.